The following audio may contain coarse language and other material that may not be suitable for a younger audience. Viewer discretion is advised. Also, we may spoil anything and everything, so you have been warned. Hello and welcome to the Movie Gang Podcast. I'm your host, Jack Newman, and this week we're joined by... Oh my god, how many of these is that this week? Is that three casts this week? It's a lot. I'm gonna, it's a lot. I'm, I'm gonna go blind. I, I can't. I can't see any more movies. Fuck this. Fuck this job. <laughs> Fuck all of this. I'm joined. This today. might be one we release later. So. <laughs> uh, well, I don't know. We'll get it out, man. It, get it out with the associated time. We're gonna do it. Still live. I don't know. <laughs> we don't do anything live here, and not without copious amounts of editing. I'm joined today by Benjamin Haworth. How are you, Ben? I am good, everyone. How are you? I, I just got a new apartment. Got a new apartment. Why are you stealing my thunder? Everybody has Get a new apartment but me. Oh, no. <laughs> I haven't moved awesome. in yet. You actually moved in. You get to say that. I know. It's all behind me. You dick stealing my apartment thunder. Uh, we're also joined here today by Trevor Flynn, the eternal sad sack of the Movie Gang podcast. How are you, Treble? Treble. Trevor. Man, if you're not even going to say my name right, I'm just not even going to pretend to be excited to be here. <laughs> That's how you're gonna. We never. Me. What What is the difference between you excited to be here and you just like hating being here? I've never been able to quite tell. <laughs> <laughs> Trevor's like, I a dude. I laugh at your jokes, no, motherfucker. Just... Jesus. <laughs> it does take quite a bit of acting. You are our actor, as it were. We went and saw Swiss Army Man. Oh, we have some feelings and thoughts about it. Ben. Tell us about Swiss Army Man. Give us the rundown. You love this movie the most so far, and you champion doing <sighs> it on this cast. I did. Swiss Army Man is the little movie that could. <laughs> um, it <laughs> is a movie I had no interest in when I heard about it at Sundance, and then the trailer came out, and I suddenly had a 180-degree turn, and I was so excited for this movie. Um, this is, if you know Fall Sundance, the farting corpse movie, quote-unquote, but it's a little bit more than just that. The basic story is... Paul Dano plays Hank, who is a man marooned on an island. He's about to kill himself, when suddenly he sees the most beautiful sight you could see, the rotting corpse of Daniel Radcliffe. He walks up to Daniel Radcliffe and discovers he's more than just a corpse. He's a magic corpse who has the Oi, ability to Harry Potter. fart. He's the boy <laughs> who didn't away. live. He's the boy who didn't live. He's <laughs> the boy know. who could fart like a jet ski. He can... <laughs> And so, it's sort of a weird twist on maybe like a kid's fairy tale movie or something like that. He finds this magic creature, which is of course a rotting corpse. He discovers magic things about it. The creature learns to love, and he learns to love himself, and many other things. It is bizarre as hell, but I love this movie. It is fascinating. It is impossible to recommend because I almost don't know anybody who would know if they'd like it or not. I, I told my parents that, like, they told me to list three movies and I kind of had to list this because I just saw it and it was really good. But I was like, just watch the trailer. And they said, oh, we watched the three trailers and we're going to go see Lobster, which means they've watched two minutes of Swiss Army Man, which makes me insanely weird. Because this is a very weird, bizarre film. But I really loved it because what it has is a heart. It has a really true beating pun intended heart 
to this film because it is sort of this twisted fairy tale. It is this almost parody, almost love for the kind of indie inspirational movie we've seen a lot about the guy who meets someone who helps him fall in love, but it kind of also completely upends that at the end in a very clever way. It's just fascinating. <laughs> it's just a fascinating film for me. And I hate fart humor, and yet I laughed a lot in this movie. So there's something working on this movie. I, I'm not sure what it is, but it's it works. I'm gonna I gotta step in and take a big piss on that fire you started, Ben. And that's it's all right. I just like I dislike this movie. I just want I would rather the final note on this movie be the. I, I don't think we can start talking about this movie at least talking about like the difference in the in critics and you'll notice it's got a 66% on Rotten Tomatoes and, and a lot of different aggregates and I think that's because it is so um, what's the word not diversifying divisive <laughs> oh divisive. Um, divisive oh my god <laughs> yeah this is why we should stop recording at night um, the whole point is, is that Swiss Army Man people that have been going in have either loved it or hated it and I think I understand that. And, and I'm not sure where I'm going to go on scores today, but I have to admit, I, while I admit to this movie being very quite good, and I do think it is good, and I think in the right mindset it could that, I think this movie is overly annoying <laughs> in itself. <laughs> like, I mean, I, I, like you're right. Like, Daniel Radcliffe literally, as part of being the Swiss Army Man, is used as a physical fart jet ski across the water, and Paul Dano rides him as Hank, and it's just... It's it you know it is funny you just like you can't help but chuckle to yourself. I think that like for me a lot of like the a lot of like those things came in like the grossness of him being used as the Swiss Army man, and I think that was kind of the point is like the grossness of the male body and the grossness of kind of like your perceptions of yourself. Um, I think there's a lot of interesting deep things going on within Swiss Army Man, and I appreciate that. At the same time, in the wrong mindset, I think it can be a very fart humor annoying movie to some extent. And if that's not, I, I don't disagree with Ben that there's not a heart and not a core idea running through the whole thing. There definitely is. It somebody definitely had a lot of feelings when they were writing this piece, and it comes through. You can feel it. I just don't know necessarily know that that automatically makes it good. Well, what made it successful for me wasn't. I I would. I think I would like to say not so much the beautiful indiness of it and all the like passionate ideas it had so much as just that I laughed solidly throughout the whole thing. And it, it you know, it was successful for me as a thoughtful comedy. And I just, you know, I, I, the last comedy I saw, I think maybe one of the more recent ones was um, Seth Rogen's movie neighbors with Zac Efron that I thought was actually, oh, okay. There was, you know, like a good point there maybe. And some like solid plot and shit. And there was maybe kind of a point to be made at the end of the day, but it was still just kind of a dumb comedy, you know, but this, I just, I don't know when else I'm going to get this again, you know, <laughs> <laughs> it's very, it is very much itself. And I, I agree. I, I don't like fart humor. I, since, it's pretentious, I guess, to say it. I'm not sure. I don't know. But even like when I was younger, I didn't like it. It was no, never something I ever. No, really... and that's the thing about this movie is that it starts that way, and that's what like gets you to buy into the absurdity of it. But then it's much more. The movie yeah. itself is a lot more than a fart joke. And uh... exactly, like I said, it was. That's why I was kind of frustrated by the reviews out of Can out of Sundance because um, it, it was like. No, you got to tell me that he rides him like a jet ski. That's way more important to sell me on this movie than, which is why the trailer works so well. It's like, See, 
That is the, the image, and that was the core image of the film I, for the director. So that kind of tells you something. I gotta stop. I'm sorry. I don't mean to do a hard cut on you here, but but like I gotta stop you there. I think I have an entirely different view of why you this what would get me into this movie, and the fact that he's ridden like a jet ski is not what would get me into a fucking movie. It gets me into a goddamn Seth Rogen movie. It doesn't get me into an indie movie that's gonna make me that's gonna on par with a lobster in terms of its metaphorical thesis that's going on behind the scenes. I think there's a lot of interesting things and what sustained me in this movie maybe didn't hate it is that i do think there is very interesting stuff at play it is not at all the fact that like it was like the indie movie or it wasn't the humor for me so i think all three of us are very different in our love of this movie <laughs> well i think part of what got maybe and i you know you hear about people walking out of it for me there was this weird reaction that the the worst it got i think was when um Daniel Radcliffe and Paul Dano's character actually kiss um which is not technically a gay kiss because they're like just I, I don't know, like, if that was what the response was. It's sort of theory, half and half. Yeah, no, yeah. There, there is maybe sexuality there or not. I don't, that's a whole other debate. But, like, I, I think this movie gets a lot weirder as it goes on. For me, like, yeah, I kind of bought into the jet ski thing at the beginning, but it wasn't even, like, I thought it was a little weird, too. I didn't even buy into it as much as the point where you're kind of trying to figure out if the corpse is really alive or not, like, if he's actually going to start, you know, talking or if the guy's just imagining it. The whole time Paul Dano's character is trying to figure out the same thing in the cave when they first, you know, get back from the island. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, Daniel Radcliffe's character, the corpse, wakes up and, like, says something articulately all of a sudden, and Paul Dano screams and punches him and runs away. And that, that was the moment for me, for whatever reason, that I guess I just bought into it and, like, accepted kind of the premise of it. (laughs) more than the jet well, of course it is thing. it's the mm-hmm. the character who's unfortunately paul dano is to some extent an insert for the audience and i think that's the difference is like how he's you know how he is versus how he sees himself and i'm sorry i think daniel radcliffe's character is more meta is more metaphysical in terms of like dano's view of his own body and you know kind of body horror humor to some extent that's going on with the erection and everything that's happening but i think that like I just want to stop you right there and with the erection thing that is happening clarify that at at, at a certain point Hank realizes that the corpse uh, Manny is attracted to this picture of a girl on his phone and so he uses this to stimulate Manny's erection as a compass to lead them back (laughs) to civilization I feel like I just need to go ahead and like make that like, clear what you're talking about it's because it just sounds right yeah sounds so absurd like, yeah, like, compass. He, yeah, yeah, yeah. he he uses his teeth to shave his beard he uses his rigamortis arms to chop wood it is there is no limit to the de- bizarre creativity of how one can use the human body as a quote-unquote swiss army man uh it is very unique and very clever in that way i think that's something that even people who hate this movie can at least kind of appreciate they may not find it funny but they at least think it's unique i would think but i just don't uh, i mean i just i just want to clarify i do not hate this movie ben no no i'm i'm talking about people who hate hate this movie i know oh, you yeah, don't yeah, hate they, they, that is a different crowd i, I don't know like it's hard yeah. to get through even for me you it was seem lukewarm get, for me i'm lukewarm yeah i i don't know what to feel about this i honestly. still feel like the weirdness really started about like maybe halfway through for me that i realized it was going to just go take off in this other direction maybe that's because i'm slower on the uptake and i was just so immersed in the humor of it but i didn't realize that it was well, going to that place until like i it, i think 
Yeah. It's sorry when Paul Dano. I just like, I just realized it, the moment was, I'm trying it, to put my finger on. It's when Paul Dano dresses up in drag that I was like, okay, this is going somewhere else for me now. Yeah, yeah well, it, it, it becomes more thing, about like, Manny. The first half of the movie, I, the humor was not hitting for me, and so all I could focus on was the meaning behind different what was the fuck was happening, and like you know we have all these things going on, and as as it took a darker turn towards the end, and kind of reality butted in on his fantasy, and I love how I love how the end how he ends is like <laughs> like the corpse just farts off into the surf. <laughs> like I just, I just it's amazing. I love, I love a movie that commits. I love a movie just, that commits. <laughs> that shot of his dad just being so proud uh-huh. of him in <laughs> such a bizarre way is so incredible <laughs> and by the way best use of mary elizabeth winstead who's only in the movie for like two why was she so good at that is, why was she it? so perfect for that like she was the, kind of the same thing <laughs> going at so... scott pilgrim where she's like this unattainable like thing which is kind of maybe like a criticism you could level at this movie is that it does the same kind of thing and uses her in that same way but well that i that is sort of again where like you get to the indie thing she is sort of the anti-manic pixie dream girl where he's in love with her and then we find out oh no he's just kind of a creepy dude who took yeah. a picture when she wasn't asking for it on the yeah. bus and then like it's kind yeah. of wonderful where it's like this homeless man shop. shows up and she has kid and like no he should not be with her that's the answer and then she gives the best what the fuck in recent movie <laughs> history <laughs> No, it's it's I think that's the thing is like uh it's it's coming to terms with like the urges that are apparent to them and like and like It's about it, shame. I love like yeah. how Yeah, yeah, it is about shame. It's about body shame. It's about, it's about shame. And it's about, it's about like, fear of death. It's also it's about society. About no, 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 it's definitely about society and like how he creates like how he goes through and creates society in his own view and how he makes himself he doesn't view him Hank uh, not Hank but the I mean, but yeah, Hank Paul Dano's character mm-hmm. does not view himself as creepy. But then, you know, as the world intrudes back onto his fantasy, he was lonely before he was on that desert island. Like, he's not lonely because he's all alone. He's lonely because he's just his social anxiety and his fear of himself and his fear of his body to some extent um, isolates himself from everyone else. And he's fucking creepy. Oh, like, I think that's y- the thing. Like, yeah. he stalks this woman. Like, I think you could argue that that island that he was stranded on was entirely metaphorical in the beginning too i mean because th- we get no information i'm gonna, I'm gonna that, take a i'm gonna take a hard line here guys i think this entire movie is metaphorical oh yeah like it's I mean, very I surreal enjoy that it, i didn't i I, I enjoyed the fact that he farts off into the into the sunset at the end, <laughs> but I enjoyed that they did, it didn't pull up it's all in his mind type of bullshit right which right. i was really it's real in that thing it's real in that reality but it is also complete fairy tale logic you know what i mean there is mm-hmm. no mm-hmm. explanation or anything to it it is it just happens it happens because of love it happens because of these bigger things bigger things create magic in a world without magic that is ultimately the answer it's still part of our world but it is completely mm-hmm. still real well, it's, I think, yeah it's magical end, realism no sort of delusion absolutely yeah yeah no, no no and i think that 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 was communicated i mean that's something the movie does very very well is flipping the script on what's happening and and revealing itself i think that's the point is like when it did go to the end like i loved that it, it like took the piss out of everything that was happening to the beginning and i liked the bit with the bear and all this stuff coming through and then man and like manny at the end and everything that happened like i like the logical progression of this movie uh, if if I'm just gonna say it right now, if you're annoyed by fart humor, like 
that's like the only saving grace that you're going to find in this. And that's kind of was my experience is like, I was annoyed from the beginning because I just didn't find it funny. I'm sorry, man. I went, I mean, I chuckled a little bit in the jet ski farts. Oh yeah. No, I didn't find that uproariously funny either from the, like that first. No, no, I don't think anyone does. I just think it's like a tone setting moment that needs to happen. Yeah. Um, And I agree with you. I think the moment where they, like he talks to him and like they do a good job of like having Paul Dano's reaction match the audiences to that situation. And like it uses Manny as a device, you know, people are horrified of their own bodies. And I think it, it, it makes, it makes the, it, he, it creates Paul Dano, who's essentially an unlikable person. Somebody's a stalker on a bus and makes him in the audience insert. And it's a really horrifying experience to recognize that the audience insert is just a fucking stalker. Right. And I, I think the thing that works for me so much about the beginning is, I find Fart Humor very annoying too, which is very odd that I love this movie, I will admit. And, which is funny. But I think what works about it is it often undercuts that. And I think the fact that it's the jet ski is the opening credit sequence says so much about this movie because it is. I, what I like about it is, again, in comparing it to other kinds of films like this, it is very much shot and the music and the editing is very much in the style of a grand escape. It is very much in the mm-hmm. style of something you'd see in Castaway with a raft, not with a dead <laughs> corpse. And that is what makes it funny, is that it's it's much the same way that... And it's much more surreal in this, but it's in a lot of the ways that Key and Peele got a lot of good humor out of. They knew that if they make this look like a film, it is more funny than if it's just Saturday Night Live cheap sets. You know, it is... There's something inherently funny about big production matching ridiculous things. And so when you have that... That one change where it's this incredible escape sequence, but he's on a farting corpse, and he's still doing the woo, and there's that wonderful music, and it's just this uproarious moment, but it is undercut by this bizarre, bizarre image. That is what worked for me. It isn't even the fact that he's farting to do that. It's the fact that he's just riding him in this glorious moment that could be from you know an, any other mm-hmm. classic castaway movie but with something that makes a lot more logical sense. I really think that might be a great uh, point to jump off and talking about the production of values of this movie. Like, what did y'all think of the, the music of the acapella? Well, the music was great. It was it's great. It's by uh, Manchester Orchestra, and they're they're always really good. So I'm not surprised that it's so enjoyable. Like, it was really weird to me at first, but, I mean, I kind of got that they were kind of going for this meta thing where like i mean yeah he starts the score himself when he's like swaying in the noose like kind of singing to himself as he's about to commit suicide and that kind of becomes the score and it right right yeah the score kind of matches the magical like the more magical something is the the, the more the score kind of lifts up yeah and gets into like... it. It, it you're right it's all kind of combined to i was kind of, of atmosphere impressed by like the flow of this movie overall like as much as, yeah, as much I really as like, like the editing. Uh, no, I think that's that's the thing is like even as somebody who's like was not necessarily on board from the beginning, I do feel like I was won over as time moves on into at least acquiescing to this movie and agree. I feel like my my whole point now is like I agree to come back in a while and watch this movie again to decide if I like it or not because like I was not on board and then I it brought me on board through excellent use of timing pacing and an underlying core issues that I enjoyed. I think that for me, like the way it ties in the, like the score and the way it ties into Paul Dano and the way that all those moments come full circle. I think for me, 
the best thing about this is that it's so tight. Mm-hmm. Like I appreciate this movie in a way similar to kind of how I appreciate Back to the Future. Um, I was waiting like, for, for instance, you to say the singing. Uh, no, I mean that's the thing. Like tight. I mean and that, that's not to compare anything about this movie to Back no, to the yeah, Future. No, yeah, there's nothing similar was, there. Was, yeah. It's just like there is a tightness and effectness effectiveness to the script and what happens and everything. Like they don't waste any space doing anything. That's there's no drop threads. Not a single thread is dropped. Everything comes full circle and there's a beauty to that. And I like I like movies made like that. I think. I think that's how old movies should be made. Like the Ben's comparison way back in the day when he said back to the future is in a separate universe where that is the median movie. <laughs> you know, it's made <laughs> yes. like a median movie, even though it's like the best movie. Like that's the point. Like I right, feel like right. this is like the indie movie in that same universe. <laughs> like, <laughs> they should all have a, this good of music. And it's this a good stupid of fucking premise that's made way better than it has any right to be. <laughs> it's, it's not just the quality of the music and of the visuals, but how they're constructed too like the fact that the score is acapella like to sound like them their voices and like paul dano at the beginning makes it like fantastical and that they're creating this fantasy as they go along and the same thing with like the beautiful garbage sculptures oh my god that shit was amazing yeah real michelle gondry uh influences there you know with that sort of created beauty gondry and spike jones love that kind of style Michel Gondry made like Eternal Sunshine and, and uh, uh, Be Kind Rewind. And he always has this sort of a feral thing of taking sort of trash and other things. And the way you kind of might create art at your house, like, oh, what do we have? Mm-hmm. You know, versus let's go buy beautiful sculptures. And yeah, there was a real beauty in art and craft to his stuff, which is kind of interesting where you, it's a nice moment at the end where people see it, but they aren't, they're both wowed, but completely disturbed. Right. That's what and I really like. It just plays into the themes of the movie so well too. Like even from the beginning, um, Manny is like, so you're trash, right? Like, that's, you're describing. Trash. Right, right. <laughs> Nobody loves you. <laughs> Manny is just, they, they do a good job with the humor and Manny in terms of that. His best humor is not the fart humor. His best humor is those. Little, no, it's like, his insight. What is this? Yeah, yeah right. it's his right, classic right, right. insight. Yeah, and just. Which again kind of goes back to a sort of. It reminded me a lot. I can't think of any one kids movie, but it feels like a kids movie trope. Like a, mm-hmm. I can see like a Disney Channel movie doing something like it, where it's like a person finds a magical creature who cannot speak English and doesn't understand human logic and things like that, and the kid learns about his life through teaching that right magical creature. Right. But it undercuts that by being about a farting corpse that can chop wood with its uh, magic hands and has penis compass. Mm-hmm. I mean, come on, I, I I think, like, for me, like, it's funny to see that how, like, Manny essentially takes over the role to some extent of, like, the straight man in the movie. And, like, Paul Dano, like, they flip. Like, Paul Dano comes in and is like, oh, my God, this corpse. And then, like, more and more it's like the, like the, like the, the audience is transferred as o- the ownership of, like, the audience stand-in role is transferred from Dano um to radcliffe in this movie over time right like i feel like radcliffe's like all of a sudden discovering that dano is like this creepy stalker or more just too in terms of his views in society like it's and that that's i think it's interesting that comes to a head i think in the climax of the film partly or at least the crisis i don't know whenever the bear attacks them and manny is up in the tree like basically condemning paul um hank to to death by bear because he feels betrayed and then 
to save him, he comes alive just at the instant that Hank is at risk of actually dying. Right, and it's right at the moment when Hank, I feel like, kind of accepts death and accepts what everything Manny has learned, and that's that's what it works about the film is when he kind of accepts Manny'sness and his own body and his own acceptance of his problems as a social norm. That's when Manny is the most magical. Do you think mm-hmm. that? Which is what I really appreciate. Do you think there's like some really simplistic mm. like metaphor going on here with like dead people are better at adjusting to society than actually living people or something like that? <laughs> Jack, no, I, you don't want to keep bringing up yeah, the society yeah. thing. So I was just. Well, I, I mean, I, I don't see how there's it definitely some in, in society. He builds a society to like explain it to the dead person. It's like a it's like a morally crippled individual individual explains to a blank slate what society is, and then you see how he was wrong and how it was distorted in his mind's eye. It's a, such a fucking clever setup, to be honest, mm-hmm. in its own way. Yeah, but, and, I mean, it's it's almost and it takes that kind of social mori with death and and compares it to social mores in general. You know, like it goes to like a dead person understand is better perhaps at being more open and honest with his own self and his own ideas than with someone else. And and you get to that point, like, well, why don't we just talk about farts and masturbation? And you're like, wait, is that a better society or not? It, it, there's no, like, one right answer, but you do kind of envy Manny's ability to just live and not have to deal with these ideas of society and these norms. Right. I just want to bring up, too, my, my two cents as a theater major. One of the moments that I really loved in the film, too, was the use of shadow theater that was kind of in and among the um, all the different garbage art, um, where they just have the, yeah. uh, a lot of Spielberg scenes, uh, <laughs> for one thing. But um, I, I feel like there's something kind of meta going on there, too, because at the point of crisis where Manny's up in the tree letting Hank fall down to his death by bear... Um, it flashes to uh, that same scene constructed via shadow theater. And I felt like maybe there was something else yeah. going on there too, where like there um, Hank's like what, what, whatever Hank is trying to show Manny is, is kind of a shadow. Like it's, it's like a, an image on a cave wall kind of thing. That, that whole sequence where he shares his visions with him is, is crazy little edited. And it's also, it just gives them props for like, hey, in that moment, they, they have the foresight to, hey, let's replay the scene in a different way and a different idea. So that when like, because the whole point is he's not just seeing flashbacks, he's seeing the memories he has, but in a different context, there's different people there. There's, like you said, that shadow puppet is now them in the shadow puppetry. And it, for just one, I just appreciate that they actually took the time and effort to do it. But otherwise, uh, I really appreciate that sequence because it didn't wasn't lazy and it was really interesting the way it reinterpreted things and there's a lot to deep to unpack in there. You're right. Just that single image says a lot about what they're trying to convey in terms of Manny trying to help Hank or trying to hurt Hank in that situation as well. Yeah. It's, it's funny with all the Spielberg references in this movie, seeing it the same weekend as BFG. (laughs) (laughs) So Army Man was a better Spielberg. Kind of sad actually. Yeah. It has that magic. It does have that magical quality. That's why I like because I think the Daniels, the directors of this film, I think they probably could make a really classic, inspirational movie. They get the beats. They have great editors. They have great uh, music. They have a great concept of what builds 
emotion in an audience, and they use it to very unique styles, which I think is fascinating. Well, what I respect them for, really, I guess, is that they ended up being more interested in the taboo. Like they had, they, they you see them in interviews, they talk about how this movie came to be and they're like we just thought it really shouldn't ever happen and so we decided to make it and they you know uh, <laughs> <laughs> it shouldn't exist so we should make like, it <laughs> again just with my like theater training shit i have two cents i have to put in that's that's what good art should do for me is i mean it should make you uncomfortable you should ask yourself like is this okay before you put it out there and that's that's the what i think i really en- end up respecting about this film at the end of the day in addition to the fact that it gave me such a good time so you you assert that it's good art because it makes you question anything i mean i i I disagree with that thesis on the whole thing whether or not art is good i mean like i think art can be good by playing it safe as well i don't think necessarily like because that that trevor for me no not i didn't mean that as like a catch-all that that drops art down to the level of like shock value like this is shocking and so it's better like, I mean, nothing I took out of this movie to be good came anything from the shocking things. Like, I feel well, like you could have done a much more subdued version of this movie that would be just as good. I disagree with that. I feel like, I mean, there's a difference between making you uncomfortable because you're thinking and making you uncomfortable because you're just having a visceral reaction to something. And the key is, I think, to walk right on that line. And I thought this movie did that pretty successfully. No, I think the issue is because it's surreal. I think that's where we we accept this more because of some of the surreal elements. And I agree, like, you know, I mean, I'm saying you can make a subdued movie in kind of the same vein that's successful, but this one is more so because of the surreal elements. It has nothing to do with the crassness of the humor. It's all because it's tied into the elements of that, but you'd have to change the main theme and have the elements tie back in because it's also important that it's tied to his body and the taboo. Um, But to take that out is to take something out. I'm not disagreeing with that. I'm just saying, like... I'm saying the shock value out of it all, it could have expressed taboo things without being quite so taboo. The fact that it pushes the envelope on the fart jokes isn't what makes it good art. Like there's a, because I think even you're agreeing with me, Trevor is like, you're saying like there is a good underlying issues. And like, as soon as we start talking, you spread it out. It's not because the film itself is shocking. Right. Um, Well, are you saying that, the surrealness of it is superfluous or just no no no. i'm saying i'm saying the level of shock value right and the type of joke is superfluous to the movie that happens i wouldn't say so because i think it would be um i can't think of the right word it would be wrong of the movie to have this message of social taboos and to take pleasure in the grosser weirder surrealer or horrifying parts of life and not also revel in them a little bit i mean in the same way they don't think you can make a movie against violence and not have shocking violence you know i think there is something that needs to be a little bit envelope pushing i think that's why we remember movies like um oh man my brain is lost today straw dogs yeah, for yeah, yeah, yeah. pushing something so far if it wasn't as violent i don't think it'd be as well remembered it you kind of have to have that shock we trying to push some something like this if it's I'm a not, film about social taboos I, and gross i think it's also what i, I, apologize. I rejoined <laughs> i didn't rejoin <laughs> the conversation to fight about this movie particularly i joined i rejoined this conversation to fight about trevor's assertion about art and i agree with pushing the boundaries of it and i think that this movie de- this movie definitely pushes the boundaries of what a film can be <laughs> or how surreal it can be um 
but I don't think that inherently makes it impressive that it pushes boundaries. I agree. If it just yeah, pushing boundaries isn't impressive, but I think when it's used I know I'm simplifying the argument. Like you're not wrong, Trevor. You're not wrong. I am simple. I am oversimplifying something that didn't impress me, and I'm more interested as a whole of the piece less as a whole because the humor didn't hit for me and interested as as a as a more of an allegorical level and i think that's that's the thing if, if i've taken all my enjoyment from there right. then it just inherently doesn't work and i think that's the thing is like it's hitting you it's not hitting me and this comes back around to the issue where it's like i'm gonna abstain from scoring it is because i want to see it again i already want to see it again and i want to come with come at it with after not getting off like a fucking 11 hour shift and having to do it for this podcast not to be <laughs> offensive Ben. i have no problem doing it i just no. like i was just like personally no, uh, angry that's... and in the in the wrong mindset like i i, no, I think that, that is like, something to keep in mind, if, mind if you were going to recommend this movie is that the i i don't know that i would have appreciated all the other elements in this movie as far as what it had to say if the humor hadn't worked for me i think i can give you that point maybe right it's a movie you have to buy into you just have to and if no, you don't, I don't buy into I don't it think I don't for whatever reason it's it. not even like you weren't you were tired and you were, you had like a, a long day and so like and you did buy into it like you said eventually but there was that and there we all have distances like i've seen movies yeah, that yeah. i hated the first time i saw it because it was just bad timing like there are certain that's the problem with movies sometimes is that Sometimes there's just bad timing. There is such a no. thing as bad timing when you see a film, and you can try to be objective, but there is an emotional investment you need to have for right. a film. Sometimes I think like not me not hating this movie is a, is a key up to me saying that like I was objective. The craft and level of craft on display and the level of underlying meaning and means like came through for me, even as angry as I was. Like I wasn't having any of it, but I understand that it was. Um, that it was, you know, it was there and it was good and it was, it had something to say. Um, whether or not the whole feeling and matter of it hit me, which I'm assuming it doesn't. I'm assuming it had you guys came away because the fact that you guys came away with such different context for this movie than me is shocking me. Like I, I figured this context? would be kind of a one way pathway where we would get no. Like I feel like we'd have a conversation about like the metaphorical meaning of society and the society in the film, and that's not what happened. Like you guys really liked the humor and really enjoyed it on a different level than I did, and I think that that it kind of leaves me. Um, crippled in this conversation, not not well, in a bad I, way. Just like I, I, think I, we I talked never, about I never it a really understood. I mean, this. I, I what I really... no, no, no. We definitely did. Like we definitely engaged with it. It's just like I am shocked to the level that you guys engaged with it is, and I recognize that as a fault of mine, not anything else. What was there any other big idea in the film that you feel like we we didn't get to in particular, or? No, no, I'm not criticizing the bloody podcast, Trevor. <laughs> like, I'm just saying, I'm just saying, like, we had profoundly different experiences. Yeah, yeah that's fair. And that's the thing about this film that is very mm -hmm. fascinating. It mm -hmm. is a film a lot like The Lobster. Where, like, you kind of just have to see it because it is a film to reckon with. It's not as smart as the I don't even know. Oh, don't, say don't it's say different that. Than don't How about say that? that? <laughs> it's very different. I, I, I mean, Trevor thinks it's much smarter than the lobster, but the <laughs> I'm not going to compare intelligence. It's just I, I, I very like different styles. The lobster. This is a. This is a, like a. I wouldn't. A, I'd recommend the lobster to my mom and my grandma. I would never recommend Swiss Army Man to them. That's what right. I'm saying. But no, no, that, the only only reason that is is because you don't want to recommend a fart movie to your mother. <laughs> like as smart yes. as it is, like, <laughs> you don't like. The, there's a very diff distinct reason why it is. Like I feel like this movie is definitely going to hit certain individuals, and you can just pick it's, out who it's not going to hit. I, I it's feel the like kind I of movie that some people would think you're an asshole for hating. 
for liking. You know what I mean? Like some people would think you're an idiot for liking this movie if they really hated it. I think versus lobster, like I didn't like it. You know, whatever. I think people might get personally offended if you like this movie and they hated it. It's that kind of movie. You know what I'm saying? I'm not offended. Sorry. I'm not offended. I'm, no, no, no. I'm saying I, some I'm people. Very, it left me very cold. Is the one thing right. that that happened that I'm recognizing is the is the distinct difference. It's like I have I don't have the time of day to hate this movie. <laughs> like I, <laughs> I, I don't mean it's that. Mean. Fine. I, it's it's fine. It is a thing that I think if I was very very drunk on a weekend would very and it came on TV I would super enjoy. Like not it's never gonna come on TV, but like if I watched it. If I picked it up at Redbox, I feel like that's the connotation in which it will mostly be watched. That was bleak. I'm sorry. <laughs> I loved it stone cold sober on a I, I know. Night, I know so. you did. And I'm sorry. I'm just like I I I I guess if I'm gonna get into the specifics of why I dislike this movie, and I, I feel like I'm not saying I dislike this movie. <sighs> Dude, just say I'm it. So it's okay. We, we, won't, it. we won't. Don't be ashamed, <laughs> Jack. Don't be ashamed. I'm not ashamed. I'm saying that the, the humor, to some extent, was. I understand. I understand where the humor is coming from. I understand why it's there. I understand the structure and purpose that it has to the plot, and I appreciate that structure and purpose. I appreciate that this film was the way it is. It just was not funny. Okay. Yeah. It's just. Yeah. It's just like I'm watching it, and I'm thinking to myself. Like, oh, God, I need to go home and sleep. Like, please, God, let this end. And, like, and that's the thing is I, I was having that sort of experience. And, may, like, I do. I own up to this being a very personal something that probably is wrong with me. But, you know, that's my fucking problem. I have no I, – I, the point is, is I have no defense as to why I hate this. So I'm not <laughs> going to hate this movie, guys. <laughs> like, I recognize that it is a good movie. I recognize that it is well strung together. I recognize that it has a deep core values. And I recognize that the right person is going to love this humor. And for the right person, this is a 10. Like, I get that. Well, uh, Ben, are you, you ready to give it a score? Because I, I think I just yes. got something Let's to fucking do this. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to get like aggressively neutral. <laughs> aggressively neutral is exactly your stance. That's it perfect. is. It is. I'm like. I'm like. I refuse. Let, let's come back to this later. I can't be bothered. <laughs> I don't hate it. I don't. <laughs> Go big. Score up first. Well, I'm gonna give it an eight. I really, really enjoyed this film. This is one of those films I do want to see too, and I think it might be the opposite. Like I hope it's not. I hope it holds up on a second viewing for me. But for now, it's my own. This is where I'm at. It's an eight. I think it was really clever. It's funny. But beyond that, I, I was impressed by how interesting it was and talking about social issues and being kind of an interesting take on the inspirational movie, on being sort of a, a clever critique of, of loneliness, maybe not critique, but an uh, examination of loneliness. And also it's just super well-directed. Uh, these guys do a lot of music videos, probably most notably Turn Down For What, which I think is brilliant. Um, it, And if you like Turn Down For What, you kind of get what this movie is in a sense. It's it's very, they're very fascinating filmmakers. Dun, and I look dun, forward to dun, whatever they do next. Dun, 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 dun. Uh, so yeah, eight. Trevor, you're up. Well, just to antagonize your neutrality, um, I think I'm going to give it a 10 out of 10, actually. What the fuck? Whoa! 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 My, my only justification I, wow. is this is the best time I've had in a movie theater in, like, a long time that I can remember for whatever wow. reason. I'm actually shocked. 
man, Jack, you do need to get a score because this is going to be super highly rated now. <laughs> uh, I am actually going to abstain. Uh, I'm not. I'm dead serious about this, guys. I'd I, like. I'd right now. I'd give it like a five. I'd rate it below the lobster, and I don't think that's acceptable. Like with myself. I, I mean, I, I don't know what to tell you guys. Like I have such a weird relationship with this movie. Like I recognize that it was not the best time. And I think like in the future, I'm not going to force myself into movies in quite the same way because it does affect me in such a way I'm going to abstain. And that brings it to an 18 divided by two is nine. The movie gang podcast. <laughs> gives, gives Take that spotlight. Swiss <laughs> army man. <laughs> A nine, which is our highest score to date. <laughs> and yep. it goes to the fucking fart humor movie. <laughs> he rides him like a fart jet ski. You abstain. This is all It's my own damn fault. Shut up. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, I can't believe it. Alright. <laughs> Bets oh. for next week. Rotten Tomatoes and Metacritic. Ghostbusters will be coming out in two weeks, but the early reviews will pop up on Rotten Tomatoes for Ghostbusters, Ghost Butters, Ghostbusters <laughs> 2016 Butters. and Metacritic Ghostbusters 2016. I want you guys to tell me the difference between the Metacritic and the Rotten Tomatoes score. Well, that's interesting. Right. So keep in mind yeah. that this is just an overall difference. So we'll minus one number for the others. We won't create negative number. The The lower number will be minus from the highest number. So what is the difference between the two? You don't have to necessarily guess which is higher. You just have to kind of come up with what you think, like how large the number is and how big the difference will be. Mm. Should I go first? I don't want you to. Yeah. All right. <laughs> you, you, you put this evil on me. So. I know. I'm, I'm, I'm changing this shit up. We're not doing regular bets this week. I'm going to say that the difference between the Metacritic, and again, this is a percent score versus a pure number score, but we're just going to treat them both like numbers. Um, and to that extent, I think the difference between the two will be 10. Uh, no, no, no. I think it's going to be, um, yeah, 10. Yes. Is tough because I, I did a little bit of research real quick. I was comparing two other Paul Feig movies, so you can use this as well. You got Heat, The Heat, which was 65% on Rotten Tomatoes and 60 on Metacritic, so very low. But then you got Spy, which is 94 on Rotten Tomatoes and 75 on Spot on Metacritic. It comes so, down. It comes down to I think like yeah. where do you think the popular votes are going to go between Rotten Tomatoes and Metacritic? I think Metacritic. Uh, I think Rotten Tomatoes is more affected by fanboy hate, and so I'm predicting that there's going to be a distinct bump. So wherever the movie falls, I do think there will be a pretty wide gap between the two. Not extreme though, because like there could be a sixty point gap between the two scores. I don't think that's going to happen because that's ridiculous. To get a 60-point gap, one would have to essentially be 100 and the other would have to be 40. Like, I think that this is probably going to be a case of I think it's going to get a little bit overrated on Rotten Tomatoes mm -hmm. probably because um, all the sexism stuff and I think maybe a few people might just like a little bit like bump their score up a little bit just to not make people right. Um, you know, mm -hmm. it might change from a 2 to a 2.5, you know what I'm saying? Um, but 
I don't think maybe people will necessarily love it. I mean, I guess it's gonna be like a decent movie. Is my prediction. Right, so right. I'm thinking like eighty to sixty-five, so fifteen. Fifteen. 15. All right. Fifteen yeah, nice points wide difference. Gap. Trevor, you're up. I'll go with thirty. Ooh, Ooh. shit! That's a 30. big. Just just big for variety's sake. Thirty point. No. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, but but that's Trevor like goes huge. Bold. That Trevor means goes like let's means let's say like. Like, let's say that, like, you know, it gives us 70 on Metacritic. It would have to get, like, a... F- well, it would have to get, like, 100 or 140. Yeah. Sorry, I just... Okay, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm not going to talk you out of it, Trevor. Um, you really want me to get the last word again? No, no, you don't. <laughs> chunk, chunk, chunk. No, I don't, actually. Mr. doesn't have a last word, which is different from this week. Because, guess yeah. what, Buttercups? The bet for last week was the, what was going to be the regular RT rating for Mike and Dave need wedding dates. Peter bet 40%. Ben bet 50%. Trevor bet 70%. Bobby was a dick and bet 55%. And Jack, myself, was the biggest dick of all. The biggest dick of all. 50, <laughs> One above Bobby. The score for Mike and Dave need. Well, I don't even fucking know what that movie is. That the score for that movie is fifty eight percent, which means you motherfuckers, it's time for Jack to outro the movie gang podcast. Okay. Everyone, take a goddamn knee. We need to talk. <laughs> we need to take a moment and talk about something going on in the Marvel universe. I have some issues to talk about. It was released today that Tony Stark is going to be replaced by an African-American teenage super genius woman. Now, I want to point something out. I love kind of generally where the Marvel Universe has been going. I love it. I actually love the comics universe. I think Lady Thor is one of the best comics out there. Her turn with cancer has taken a a background character in the Marvel Universe, i.e. Thor, who was always just a background character for team-ups and everything else, and made her truly an interesting person that's worthy of championing her own comic. That's the interesting thing. I mean, that's the thing that people forget about the Avengers, is they were always background characters in other people's comics and sometimes were inherently uninteresting, except for Tony Stark. We'll get to that. I think it's interesting that they brought in Sam Wilson and took a turn um, and made Captain America um, take a back seat and have Sam Wilson. It even plays into his old Falcon, him being the new Captain America. He's a different sort of Captain America, and I like that turn as well. I like I like the new introduction of, because again, what I'm getting at is that there are no white male core Avengers, and I feel bad saying that. I feel bad being slightly upset about a lack, like being mad about too much diversity but for me, it comes down to the treatment of kind of old characters that I love. And I think that's the thing is like, I didn't mind getting rid of Thor because Thor was uninteresting. Cap's kind of milk toast too. I didn't mind him seeing him go. But making him into Hydra this whole time is just fucking stupid. Don't destroy the characters that I grew up with to make new characters. And I think that's the issue that's coming in. They haven't destroyed Tony Stark, but he's definitely taking a back seat. Even with the new Spider-Man characters, like they allowed Peter Parker to go off in a different direction. There being a new young Spider-Man allows Peter to detach him, detach himself from his eternal youth and to own his own company and to go on to do interesting things. That's great. That's fucking awesome. But why is it that we have to shoehorn in another character, particularly 
Tony Stark's character, who has only grown since the MCU, it, it kind of just fills me with dread about the direction this whole thing is heading and the fact that like we're going to get such a level of backlash within the comics community. And that's not, that's not a thing. We sh- you should never not do a thing because there's going to be backlash. Like, fuck the backlash. Like, the, the racists that are going to come out of the woodwork for this can go fuck themselves. Like, they can. They can go fuck themselves. And that's the thing. It's like, I really don't have a problem here in terms of there being more diversity. I'm just thinking, like, this is, like, don't destroy the characters I love in pursuit of it. Bring on a new girl character and, and give her a good and the name and tie her into comics and make her a side cook just Tony and maybe, maybe take her over. Don't all at once, like, I miss an issue of Iron Man and now he's not Iron Man anymore. Like, give me back the characters I love and don't shit on the ones that I came to love over time. Like, I, I can't help but loving Cap. And the fact that apparently he's just been Hydra up this whole time is just utterly non-fucking-sensical and uh, I'm hoping that it's just a fake double agent bullshit thing and Cap's been the ultimate double agent maybe it's a build-up to making him essentially the new Fury character in the universe which could be happening it could be happening which is what I hope is happening and then he's the Fury to to uh, you know Wilson's more uh, newer kind of more upbeat Captain America so maybe maybe there are things and Marvel's been doing amazing things and especially with like the relevance of the universe i'm still on board to see what's going to happen but i have to at least moderately say i am not excited for this new character because i know nothing about her and i know that i'm losing a character i truly love so that's jack's corner this has been the movie gang podcast go online right now to the facebook page go check it out Go put us a like and shoot us a question. Tell us what you thought of this episode. Go on to Twitter. Go on to at Newman Visuals. Yell at me about my opinion about comic books and my non-opinion about Swiss Army Man. While you're at it, head on over to at the underscore movie underscore gang and yell at everyone there and tell Ben and uh, Trevor why they're saints for putting up with me. You know where to go, people. Let's do this thing. Jack out!